0: Turn to Luke 16, please. Luke 16 and 2 Corinthians 2. Luke 16, 2 Corinthians 2. The things that are going on right now, things that Phyllis has already covered, the Lord helped her to cover, the things that uh, we're about to deal with right now are very timely. It's a word in season. And the Lord is preparing us and also safeguarding us. So please hear it that way. It's about principles. And it's about how God leads. And it's about responding to his leading and calling. Well, why would the Lord be talking about all these things right now? It's not for somebody who's not here. (laughs) It's for you, for me. And then what we're about to get into right now, what we began last Friday, is a continuation of that. And so uh, the Lord is preparing us, and he's also protecting us if we'll listen and comply. Are you interested in those two things? Preparing us for what's coming tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. You know, a lot of these things, you don't see how it applies the next day. Sometimes you do. But some of these things, you don't see them the next day or week or month. But then something will begin to happen, and you'll go, okay. All right, that's what that was about. And the Lord's already got you forearmed, forewarned, prepped, and protected. I like the sound of that? Amen. That's if you don't snooze, if you're listening, and if you're receiving it, and if you're doing it. So I want to do it, you want to do it, right? We we want to do these things. So Luke the sixteenth chapter, Luke sixteen and ten. Luke sixteen, ten, Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. A lot of times people think, you know, they're doing a lousy job with what they got. But they believe if they had something bigger or something more important, they'd do a better job with that. It's simply not true. According to Jesus, it's not true. Whatever you're doing with $100 right now is what you'd do with a million. I know a lot of people don't think so, But Jesus said you would. Whatever you're doing with a small opportunity to serve or to be involved in the things of God is what you would do with a huge, far-reaching opportunity. You'd do the very same thing. And so he said, uh, verse 11, If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon... Now he mentions this, he already mentioned this word in verse 9. He mentions it here. He's about to mention it again three times just in these few verses, this word mammon. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So you know mammon has to do with material and riches because it's not the true riches. Uh, verse 12 if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. True or not? The master's speaking. It has to be true. No servant. Who can do it? Nobody can do it. Why would he say this? Because there's a lot of people trying. <laughs> And even though nobody can do it, millions keep thinking they're the exception. Well, I can. I can serve this and I can serve that. No, you can't. There's only one king of kings and lord of lords. There's only one top spot, one. And if he's number one, nothing else can be. Everything else is under that and not number one. No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other. He'll hold to the one and despise the other. Now why would he say that? Why would that be true? Because when you got two competing for the number one spot, you can't wind up happy. The one is getting in the way of the other continuously. And it's going to frustrate you. And it's going to irritate you. You ever got frustrated because somebody was trying to talk to you while you were trying to talk on the phone? Yeah. Or somebody was wanting you to pay attention to this and you're paying attention to the TV or, or whatever it was. It never bug you. It never frustrates you. Do you know that it should not? Do you know why it's frustrating you? Because you can't make up your mind which one to focus on and which one to leave alone. It's real simple. If you're on the phone and somebody else is trying to talk to you, you just need to take a split second and decide who's the one you're supposed to be talking to or who's the more important one that you should listen to and defer to. Anybody listening? And once you do that, you either say, excuse me, while I talk on the phone, or you say, hold on. And then it's easy. It's simple. It's simple. But see, if you don't do that, one of them's going to irritate you. <laughs> You'll hate one, love the other, try to hold on to one, belittle and despise the other. And it's simply because you don't know what's important. Mm-hmm. This is also why people uh, got junk piled up to the rafters. <laughs> why well, they think they can't make a decision, they can't throw anything away, they can't organize, it's because they don't know what's important. Because all that junk's not important. <laughs> that stuff you haven't used in eight years, don't even know where it is is obviously not very important. <laughs> and people make up all kind of excuses and well I just I'm just sentimental, I'm just no, no, you just don't know what's important. When you know what's important, you make a decision. You choose this, you let this go. Very simple. I'm gonna pause for effect here. <laughs> Whether it's you, whether it's me, <laughs> the only reason there's confusion and irritation and all those other things because people have not settled what's important and what's not. Who has this place and who doesn't have this place? When you get it settled, it's so simple. It's so nice. You're not frustrated, you're not angry, you've not been out of shape, things don't pile up to the rafters. (laughs) That's moving right along. You cannot, somebody say cannot, cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, Did he say it was hard to do? No, what did he say? You can't do it. You can try to do it, but you won't be able to do it. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you can't serve two masters. You can't. And you'll only frustrate yourself, make ourselves angry, all that kind of thing. You cannot serve God and mammon. Keep going. Verse 14, the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him. They belittled and opposed what he's saying. Why? Because he's reading their mail. (laughs) Right? Right? He's talking to them about them and they didn't accept it. What is their problem? What does covetous mean? Just exactly what he got through saying. They are claiming they're serving God, but they're actually trying to serve money. And these are the religious leaders of the community. And they're covetous. And because what Jesus said put a light on this problem, it was time to receive it. It was time to repent, wasn't it? Change. But they didn't accept it. They didn't receive it. It just made them mad. And they talked back to him and they talked against him. They derided him. They disrespected him. And they rejected what he said. Because they were what? What? covetous. Now we're going to get into some more detail about what that means. But how many already know that's not something you want to be? How many are pretty sure? Huh? You don't want to be covetous. Reckon you ever have been? Well we'll talk about that. (laughs) The, The Pharisees, these are people who spend all their time studying the law and studying the original Hebrew and studying all the the, the commentaries on it and, and all these kind of things uh, you could say it like this they were the word people of their day yeah. right. Right. letter of the word yeah. and yet they're what else were they covetous covetous, covetous. do you think covetousness is a problem yes. it's a big problem it's a giant problem you're believing with me for utterance yeah. and light yeah. for me and for you For us to see what it is and get free from it. Right? Because it it displeases the Lord greatly. And it's a big, big hindrance to his things and his plan and his ways. And we need to be completely free from it. Somebody say completely free. free. Go with me to the... uh, Actually, do it like this. Go to the book of Luke. Uh, You're 16, so just go over to... 12, go back to 12, then we'll go over to uh, 2 Corinthians. Luke 12, Jesus commented about covetousness. This, we looked at this last week, about where the man came to Jesus and uh, basically told him to tell his relative to divide the inheritance with him. And of course that's disrespectful. coming and telling Jesus what to do. <laughs> but he said, uh, verse 14, he said, Man, uh, this is Luke 12, 14, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And verse uh, 15, he said to them, Take heed and beware. What does beware mean? Be on your guard. Watch out for this. This is dangerous. This is damaging. This is serious. This is a threat to you. This is a danger to you. What's a threat and a danger to us? Covetousness. Covetousness. Do you think covetousness is a danger to you? It definitely is. He said, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. A man's life, Jesus is speaking, a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Say it out loud three times. A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Say it again. A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. One more time. A man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. How can you tell your life is going good? How can you tell your life's going good? You got a new house? Got some new cars? Huh? Plenty of money? Are you sure? you got plenty of stuff you got your boats your watercraft your motorcycles you got uh, got nice clothes you can buy nice things for your kids you can go on the vacations you want to go on that's the big indicator that you got a good life and that you're doing I'm seeing some folks are there some are going some are going (laughs) There has been a confusion of the Christian blessing with the American dream. They are not one in the same. They're not one in the same. If you've been around here very long, you know we believe that God is a good God and he wants you to have what you need materially. If you've listened to us very long, you've heard that. And we're different in some some people the way they believe because some folks teach and preach that if you really get holy and close to God, you basically take a vow of poverty. And that preachers are not, especially preachers, ought not have anything very nice. They ought to live in little houses And drive old cars. If they're really sanctified. They're not going to spend a lot on these kind of things. Well of course. What they fail to realize. If that's good for preachers. It's good for all believers. I mean why would you draw a line. And if you say you believe it. You ought to practice it. Right. I'm glad I don't believe in being broke. Because I'd be a hypocrite. I'm practicing what I preach. I believe in having some stuff. And having some nice stuff. But. 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 Folks in our circles. Word of faith. Charismatic. Whatever you want to call folks. That believe in some of these things. Some have gone too far. And they talk too much. About money. And stuff. And it's too much on the mind. Too much of the time. Can you have some things without loving them is the question. Can you have some stuff without thinking about it all the time? And here's the big question. Could you be happy without it? Uh Uh-oh. Did I lose somebody there? (laughs) Could you be happy without it? Getting some of the same responses. Yes, no, maybe so. (laughs) I want you to tell me for a fourth time here what Jesus said a man's life doesn't consist of. Help me out. Consists not in the abundance the things which you possess. You cannot tell how well you're doing in life by what you have. That does not tell you. That you're doing good. Now that is mind renewal right there. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Just because you got a good house, just because you got nice cars, nice clothes, nice stuff, that does not tell you you have a good life. Right. And if you don't have some things, it doesn't automatically tell you that you got a bad life. Because right. right. your life doesn't consist <laughs> in the abundance. Of what you own. possess means what you own. What you have the title on. <laughs> Go with me to. Uh, Hebrews 13 and 5. When you think about how well you're doing in life. How well you're doing. At this juncture of life. You should not just look. At your uh, Titles. And your account balances. That's not going to tell you. You could have a lot of stuff. And still not be doing well in life. Because your life does not consist. In the abundance of the things that you possess. Well if it doesn't consist of that. According to Jesus. What does it consist of? First of all. Knowing him. Jesus said to know the father. And the son is eternal life and he also talked about doing his will doing his will he said my meat the food, the thing that satisfies me is doing his will and accomplishing the work just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're doing the will of God does it doesn't mean it so Your life in God are just having a good life, period, because outside of God, you're not going to have a good life. Even though you may have some high points and have some stuff and do some things, at the end of all that, when you go home, who are you? What are you? What happens next? You're about to leave here. What does our life really consist of? Say it out loud, knowing knowing him and doing his will. That's what your life consists of. And thinking that way is radically different than how most folks think, even a lot of people in church, because the church has been greatly influenced by the world. The thinking of the world, how the world measures how good a life we're having has gotten in the church, right? A lot of folks think the same. They're actually comparing themselves with people in the world to see how good a life I'm having. (laughs) And that's not wise. That's a foolish thing. Say it one more time. My life life does not consist consist in the abundance abundance of of the things I own. That doesn't tell me if I'm having a good life or not. Obviously we need some things. Need some money, need some stuff. But that alone doesn't tell me that I'm doing good, having a good life. In Hebrews 13, you begin to see the difference, the contrast. Hebrews 13, Jesus said, take heed, beware of what? Beware of covetousness. Watch out for it. Let me give you a definition of covetousness. And I've actually got some light on this I didn't have in recent times. I'm, I'm so thankful about it. It makes perfect sense, too, and it always does. When you see the light, it's like, whew, why didn't I see that before? It's always been there, right there. Covetousness is a, uh, a holding or desiring for more. It is longing and wanting and desiring more. Obviously, it's something you don't have yet. You want more. Somebody say more. It's eager for gain. And here's the thing, something I noticed I had to get light on as I delved into the study of these words and looked at everywhere It was translated and used. I saw the same word translated covetousness is translated defraud. Same word, exact same word. Defraud. And I'm thinking, (laughs) take heed and beware of defrauding. Take heed and beware of covetousness. What does that mean? And then you begin to see it. If you want something too much, you're willing to do things you shouldn't do to get it. That's where the fraud comes in. And that's why the two go hand in hand. Wanting something too much and being willing to do unscrupulous, immoral things to get it. The two go hand in hand, don't they? I mean, if you didn't want it too much, you wouldn't be willing to cross the line, right? To do the stuff you shouldn't do to get it. Covetousness. So uh, uh, one translation even translates it extortion, which is defrauding somebody, extorting somebody. Being willing to lie to somebody, deceive somebody, steal it from somebody, take it from somebody. Why? Because you covet it. You want it. You don't just want it a little bit. You want it too much. You got it on your mind all the time. You wake up thinking about it, go to bed, and you talk about it all the time. You talk about it too much. You think about it too much. You want it. And if you want it too much, you're willing to do anything to get it. Now, in Hebrews, you'll see the contrast. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 and about verse 5. Hebrews 13:5, the scripture said, Let your conversation, now that's the word for your lifestyle, your manner of life, the way you live. Does this tie in with what Jesus said? Your life consists not of this. Well, Your life, your manner of life, be what? Without covetousness. Friend, let me encourage you. Go on a crusade tonight to have zero covetousness in your heart and mind. To stamp out covetousness. We're against it. Come on, anybody here with me? Let's get on a crusade. I'm not talking about judging other people. I'm talking about in you. To be completely rid of covetousness in my mind, my heart, my soul, my life. I don't have to live that way. I don't have to be that way. Anybody agree with me? Listen, yes. huh? Branson, Sarasota, people online. We're launching a crusade tonight. Yes. <laughs> Stamp out covetousness. <laughs> No more covetousness. No more covetousness. No more covetousness. (laughs) But we're not going to march and yell at somebody else. We're going to look in the mirror and go, No more covetousness. (laughs) Look at the very next phrase. Let your conversation, let your manner and way of life be without covetousness And be content. That's how you know. You're not covetous. Because instead of being covetous. You are. Content. Vacuums don't work. Spiritually. You can't just not be something. You got to be something. Else. Instead. In the place of. We're not just not covetous, we are content. And that contentment fills up the place the covetousness used to have. Let your conversation, your way of life, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. Now uh, actually the let me read another translation of this to you. Because the emphasis here The Young's Literal, which is, he's the author of Young's Concordance, very uh, knowledgeable scholar. He said, without covetousness, the behavior, in the original, it doesn't read as fluid, but it's super accurate. Without covetousness, the behavior, being content with the things present, present as opposed to what? Something else out there. Something else out there. I don't have. I don't have it yet. Because if all you're thinking about. Is what you don't have yet. Are you going to be happy? Are you going to be content? And see it's a trick of the enemy. I said it's a trick of the enemy. It's something he's used. Since Adam and Eve. Why were Adam and Eve. Hanging out at the tree. That they're not supposed to be at. Not supposed to be looking at. Not supposed to be messing with it. It's the one thing. It's the one thing. It's the, it's the one thing. In all the garden. They're not supposed to have. It's the one thing they don't have. And they're told not to partake of. So what are they doing? Hanging out there. Just looking. So we talked about that earlier, didn't we? Just looking. Somebody say, just looking. Is that a problem? See, people will say, well, it don't hurt to look. Oh, yeah. It can hurt a lot. Well, it's okay to look as long as you don't touch. All these things are wrong. I said they're wrong. Because looking produces something looking at something produces longing for it you look at it makes you want it hmm you ever watch the food channel (laughs) Phyllis laughs at me I don't watch it much because I mean I watch about 15 minutes and I go hey can we make some of this can we get some of this And before that, I wasn't even thinking about it, but looking at it, and now they're all... I mean, they had all these fresh ingredients, and they put all these seasonings, and they cooked it out over the hardwood, and they're sitting down at the table going, mm, that's amazing. And you're thinking, yeah, where's mine? And I wasn't thinking about it until I was looking at it. Looking at it caused me to want it. And if you want something enough covetousness, if you want it enough, it's going to move you to try to get it. And if you want it too much, more than you should, you can cross lines doing things you ought not do to get it, including committing fraud and deception and theft because you wanted it too much. Let me read these other translations to you. He said, being content with the things present. The message Bible says. Don't be obsessed. With getting more material things. It doesn't mean you can't believe for something that you need or want. But you're not supposed to have it on your mind all the time. You're not supposed to talk about it non-stop 24-7. The Bible said. Set your affection on things above. Not on things beneath. Because all this stuff's passing away. Everything you got in the closet, in the garage, is going to rot, is going to rust. Is that right? Everything down here is like a gallon of milk. It's got a date on it. And after a while, it's going to be spoiled, it's going to be ruined. And the Bible said everything down here is, uh, the elements, the surface, everything is going to melt with fervent heat. Actually, back in, uh, Phyllis showed you pictures of Raymond Bible Training Center. When I was a teacher there for the first year, I I heard some of the students one time talking about it. And they're actually, one of the guys was kind of bragging about all the stuff he had. He was supposed to be testifying, but it was pretty much bragging. And some of the other kids that didn't have much. And finally, one of them just, I mean, I guess he had heard it as long as he wanted to. He said, well, so what? He said, your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. (laughs) Because all of it. It's going to burn. Nobody is taking any of it with them. It's only good for temporary use. And as such, our true life doesn't consist of it. And it shouldn't mean too much to us. Realizing what it is, how quickly it's fading away. We shouldn't covet it. He said, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Or be content with the things where you are right now. You should be able to be relaxed and happy and have peace and enjoy life right now. Right now, before you get that next house, before you get your new car, before you get anything else, if you're not content now, there's some covetousness in you. You can't be happy until we get this. I can't be satisfied until I've got that and can use that. It's a trick because what's going to happen if and when you get it? What's going to happen? There's going to be something else. There's always going to be something else. More. Wanting more. Wanting more. Wanting more. And if the truth is that our life doesn't consist in what we possess, then we're chasing a fantasy. Because there is no amount of money or things or possessions or status That will fulfill you on the inside. And give you the peace that passes understanding. And the joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is no piece of jewelry that will do that. There is no vehicle. There is no house. That can do it. It's not possible. Oh you might jump up and down. Holler about it. You might enjoy being in it. Using it. But when you lay down at night. It does not make you a super person. It does not fulfill your inner man. True or not? So he's talking about being content. Go with me to uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians 4. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is money and things as a god. Are there people who worship money? Oh, yeah, they do. They don't worship God. What's important to them? What do they think about? What do they live for? What's their dream? What's their vision? It's stuff. And the reason money is such a big deal is because you can get the stuff with the money or do what you want to do with the money and the truth is these super religious people the Pharisees they were trying to serve the God of money and God the Father at the same time and it was pulling them in two and Jesus said you can't do it you can't do it how do you get rid of all the distraction and frustration and and irritation Decide, I got one God. Said out loud. Money, Money is not my God. Not my God. Things, Things are, not my God. are not my God. I have one God. I have one, God one Lord. One, Lord one, source, one source. One. It's the God and Father of my Lord Jesus. Yeah. It's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Yeah. Right? He's my Father. He's my God. And when all this junk's gone, he'll be here. (laughs) Your good stuff is over there. (laughs) Reason you can't take any of this stuff with you, you wouldn't want to. It it wouldn't match your stuff there. (laughs) If you could smuggle some of it out of here and get it to your mansion in heaven, people would come in and go, what is that? brought some of that nasty earth stuff up here? What is wrong with you? (laughs) When he says mammon, you can't serve God in mammon, he's talking about money and things as a God. Do not underestimate the temptation of money and things. I'm talking about you. For you. Don't say, well, yeah, boy, there's a lot of covetous people out there. (laughs) I particularly hate them greedy preachers. And you need to preach on that, Brother Keith. And and hope you're not one of them. Listen to this now. Many of the same people that get all worked up about people in their mind that have a lot of money and they're wasteful with it and they talk too much about money and they're just sure none of this applies to them because they hardly have anything. They are the same ones that'll go to the return counter at Walmart and pitch a fit over an $18 item. What is that? Why would you pitch a fit over an $18 item? Covetous. You don't have to have a lot to be covetous. Some of the most covetous people on the planet are some of the poorest people on the planet. It's not about how much you have. It's about what you want. And about what's important to you. And what you long for. If money's not important to you. If it's not that big a deal to you. It's the same. Whether you got a hundred dollars. Or a hundred million. You act about it the same way. Selah. How many believe. Believe that you ought not damage your witness over $5. Phyllis and I laugh and talk about this often. You know, us being on TV and on the internet and locally and internationally, a lot of people get to see you and get to know you. We have seen this scores of times where you're walking to a place of business or you have some kind of business dealing and people know you, but they won't tell you. Because they want to see how you're going to act about this money. And so they're, you know, they're act all cool. And and a lot of times we'll get letters. I'm thinking of a lady one time, Phyllis, went and there was some kind of a mix-up, mess-up about a bill. And it really wasn't our bill, right? And and, and so Phyllis is, I mean, rather than people get all upset about it, she's like, oh, we'll take care of it. We'll do it. And uh, that lady let us know later uh, that she knew us. And she was watching Phyllis to see how she's going. And they've been coming to our church for 12 years now. Wow. This kind of thing is happened over and over again. It doesn't just happen with us; it happens with you more than you know. Hmm. And especially people that maybe they don't know you, but they know you're supposed to be a Christian. You claim to be a Christian. You must not pitch a fit over money. There'll be some situations. It's going to cost you. Well, just recently, we we're in a situation and um, something came up and we didn't know these people anything. We were done with the deal. Everything's above board. Everything's right. And yet, I told Phyllis, well, I want them to feel good about the deal. So we just gave them some more money. <laughs> didn't we? We just gave them some more money and said, here, be happy. They said, yay, we're happy now. yeah." <laughs> Why? Well, it's not, someone said, well, they had no right to it. It doesn't matter. Our witness is more important than anything else going on. We represent Him. Come on, are you listening to me? We represent Him. And, uh, forget about what's technically right or legally required or anything of this matter or not. We need to demonstrate that we're not just empty talk. That we live what we say we believe. And the most important thing is him and people. And money is not our chief concern. Is that supposed to just apply to preachers or is that going to apply to everybody? Any believer is applied to you just like it would to me. Do you believe it or not? So be on your watch. I'm telling you, there'll come some times you'll be in the middle of something and you'll be getting all worked up about it. And the Lord will remind you of this message right now. And you'll see me doing this. (laughs) And you'll know it's time to shut up. Come on, are you listening? And smile and say, I'll take care of it. I'll pay it. I'll handle it. And be a good witness. And not damage your witness. Philippians 4. Let's go on into this. Philippians 4. The Spirit of God through Paul is talking to his partners at the church at Philippi and these are his most faithful partners of all the churches. He tells them that they have given to him repeatedly, sent money and stuff to him repeatedly when none of the other churches did. So these people believe in him and they love him and they, they're sending offerings to him while he's in jail and other things that he needs. And so he talks about money and he talks about stuff in this passage. Verse 11. Well, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord. This is Philippians 4.10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Did you hear this now? We are... We're reading now, by the Spirit of God, about a man who's doing what we're reading about. He's not covetous. There are numerous other scriptures that demonstrate this very vividly. Paul was not a covetous man. He was not a money-ruled thing-ruled man. And he had some issues and some things that he needed. And he's telling them how he appreciates them listening to God. And sending these things to him. But he said it's not. I'm not talking about me needing something. And wanting something. Because I have learned. Now this is not something. That God just zapped him with. What? How did he get to this place? He learned. I have learned. In whatsoever state. I am, now see this goes along with what we saw in Hebrews about present circumstances. And don't get hung up on, does that mean I got to be satisfied with all the junk I got right now and I can't ever believe for anything else? No, you can believe for some other stuff. You can have big vision. But what you can't do if you're going to be right is be unhappy and unsatisfied until you get it. Because if you are, you're covetous. Everybody with me? How do you know you're not covetous? Because you're content. (laughs) You're happy. Because how do I know I'm having a good life? I know the Lord. He knows me. I'm walking in fellowship with him. I got eternal life inside me. I got the Holy Spirit to lead me, guide me, teach me, remind me, show me things to come 24/7. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I'm finding his plan and will for my life, and I'm following it. And I'm accomplishing what I was created to do on this planet in the short amount of time that I have. And I'm connected with other people. Who are doing it. We're fellowshipping together. We're making progress. The light's getting brighter and brighter. as We go down this path. That's how you know you got a good life. Yeah. You're bearing fruit. And fruit that remains. And the stuff you need to do it with. Is just. Peripheral. It's support. It's not the main thing. Which is why. You can be happy with it. Or without it. Yeah. If you lost something. You didn't lose your joy. And you didn't lose your peace. And you didn't lose your sense of value and worth. Because you didn't lose him. Yeah. That's what he said. You know. Your lifestyle's not covetous. But you're content. Because I have said. I will never leave you. Never forsake you. He's with you. He said. I'm with you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think about what happened with, uh, y'all remember, uh, who was it, Hannah, that had Samuel, but you know, earlier in her marriage, she couldn't conceive, and she was depressed, and cried, have you read the story, go back over there in First Samuel, oh man, she cried, and her husband, what was his name, Elkanah, is that what it was, he loved her, and he tried to make her feel better, but the Bible said she just cried all the time. She's a depressed mess because <laughs> she can't have a baby. She wants a baby. So she gets up thinking about, I want a baby, but I don't have a baby. Why well, can't I have a baby? And then she gets a little bit better, and she goes out on the street, and what does she see? A, a mama and some babies. <laughs> oh, so she just can't finish the shopping, and she comes back home, and she falls in a pile on the bed, and she cries. Somebody says, well, bless her heart. No, that's not Okay. That's being self-centered, self-focused, self-pitying, no faith. It is not okay to wallow in this stuff. And what's her big problem? She wants something she doesn't have. And she can't be happy unless and until she gets it. What is she? Covetous. So she can't be content. Well, he tried to cheer her up. And at different times, he'd bring her some good food, and she'd just cry. And he'd say, Well, hey, baby, you got me. And she'd go, "Ah!" (laughs) Oh! And to make a long story short, finally she was there in the house of God, and the man of God saw her, and he said, "Uh, You need to quit being drunk. You don't get drunk, come to church. I'm paraphrasing. And she said, I'm not drunk, I'm just so sad. See, this has become her identity. She is the sad girl. It's not okay. No child of God should be a depressed mess or be dependent on all kind of pharmaceuticals. The reason folks get in such a mess, whether it's you or me, is because of yielding to it. That's how you get in such a big mess, is yielding to it, yielding to it. It gets worse and worse and worse. But if you're a child of God, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And if you will, you can quit yielding to that stuff and thinking about it and talking about it all the time. And that's what happened to her. He said, the Lord grant your request. And she took that as the Lord saying, I'm going to take care of you. So the Bible said she got up. She got out of there and she was no more sad. And a few months later, guess what? Yeah. Finally. She quit being covetous. She quit being depressed. And she began to be content that God loved her, that her husband loved her. She had something to be thankful for. God's heard her prayer. Things are looking up. Next thing you know, she's got a miracle. But as long as you're going to sink down in the mire of self-pity, you're not going to have a miracle. It's going to get darker. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And you can beg God, but you've got to give him something to work with. You've got to do what he told you to do. Resist those things. Cast down those imaginations. Talk to yourself. Grab yourself by the ear. Drag yourself out of bed. If you have to find you some toothpicks, prop up the corners of your mouth. And say, hey, God's done too much for you, for you to lay around acting like this. You're saved. Your name's in the Lamb's book of life. God loves you. What are you doing? Remember, David talked to himself like that, didn't he, sometimes? He'd say, uh, why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Didn't he say that? Get up from there. The Lord's the life of your countenance and the health of your countenance. He's my life. He's my salvation. Yeah. Of whom will I be afraid? Yes. Amen. Yeah. That's how you get victories. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you get miracles. Yeah. Yeah. Say it out loud. No more sad. No, no, more, sad. More, laying no, no more laying around. Feeling around. sorry for myself. No, sorry for no, myself. More no more coveting something. I don't have. I don't have. What are you going to do? I'm going to be content. Happy. Grateful. Right? Right? Right here, right now, and that'll be a key to you moving on and seeing more and getting more. Notice what he said. I've learned. So Paul didn't have it instantly, but he learned. He learned what to resist and not give in to. And he learned what to yield to, didn't he? I know this is what he learned. I, you could say it like this. I learned how to be abased. I learned how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full, to be hungry, to abound, to suffer need. I learned how. And how would you do it, Paul? Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He was talking specifically about if I got it, if I don't, if the money's up. If the money's down, if I'm getting what I want right now, or if it's going to be another three years, I don't postpone my enjoyment of life until I move in or pick it up or take delivery. Come on, are you listening? Because my life, that's not really my life. My life doesn't consist in that. My life is in Him. He's my joy. He's my peace. And if I've got him. I do have everything. I do have everything. And I've got him right now. Right here. Right now. I don't have to wait another minute. To have joy unspeakable. And peace that passes understanding. I can have it right now. Right now. And I don't listen to the devil's lies. I don't believe all that stuff. It's not true. Money can't make you happy. You know that or not? Money cannot satisfy. Money cannot make you a great person. It can't. It can't fulfill you. It can't bring you to your full potential. It can't, it can't do those things that the enemy and others try to think that it does. He said, I've learned something. I've learned no matter where I'm at, what kind of circumstances I'm in, to be content right there, right then. And he goes on to tell them, but I want you to know, verse 19, God's going to supply all your needs. He's going to take care of you. He's going to fill everything that you need. So they didn't quit believing God. Because they're not going to be covetous. Can you see people have struggled with these concepts, haven't they? They thought, well, if, I, if I'm if i going to be content, that means I can't think about getting anything else. <laughs> I mean, so that means all this believing for stuff and that's wrong. No, no, it doesn't. And you got people that say, well, I'm not supposed to just lay down and not believe for anything. and I'm supposed to reach out and have a vision. And yeah, you are, but you're not supposed to talk about it night and day. And think you can't be happy till you get that next thing. Both of those are wrong, aren't they? We need to rightly divide the word of truth. Operate the way He wants us to. Yeah, let's have a vision. You know, we have vision lists around here. And sure, have it and, and pray and seek the Lord and believe for some things to stretch your faith. I mean, you understand, we're believing for some stuff to come here and get this church and get this place with no congregation. Right? I mean, if you think, well, it don't matter if we have anything. Oh, yeah. People say, well, I don't want any of this world's goods. I do. I do. I want train loads of it to use for the gospel. I want tons of money and the best gear and cameras and infrastructure and buildings. Yeah, let's, we got a job to do. It's our responsibility. But, but, but I don't have to wait. Till the bank account gets to a certain amount. Or the attendance gets to a certain amount. Come on, are you listening to me? Or this is completed or that's completed. I can be happy, happy, happy. Right here. Right now. Cause I got him. Now. I'm saved now. Stand on your feet, everybody. Lift up your hand. Lift up your voice. Say it out loud, I have, I have Him. Come on, say it again, I have Him. I, have him. I, can, be happy right now. I can be happy right now. Satisfied right now. Satisfied right now. Joyful, right now. Joyful right now. Peaceful right now. Peaceful oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge.